man, Florida State, you got to feel as though, really? I mean, I, I thought that Florida State might be within striking distance of a New Year's Six game. Who was playing better than the Seminoles down the stretch? Very few teams. Now you get a chance to play against 6-6 six and six Oklahoma. Got to be a little bit disappointing for the Seminoles. Hello and welcome in. Today is Tuesday, December 6th. It's always college football. I'm still in Bristol. As you can see, right now, the Georgia Bulldogs and the lights in the studio are down, but it doesn't mean our energy is going to be down. We're going to be talking about a bunch of awesome matchups coming up here in the bowl season. We spent yesterday kind of breaking down some of the games. We spent yesterday breaking down some of the outcomes from this past weekend. And, of course, we spent an awful lot of time on the rankings release. However, now we got to dive into some bowl games. We're going to hit the New Year's Six. We're going to hit some other notable bowl games, too, that I think are very important. If you're a diehard college football fan, and by the way, we're going to have ample time over the next several weeks to break these games down in depth. But we wanted to give you just a little bit of a preview about some of the games that are coming up. And we still have a lot to get to this week, too. We're going to talk about Transfer Portal. We're going to talk about guys moving on. We're going to talk about the coaching carousel. There's a lot of stuff that we still have on board coming to you this week. But today, we figured we should dedicate a day to bowl games. All right? All of them. Because they still matter. You can tell me all day long how much bowl games don't matter and how opt-outs have ruined it and how the playoffs ruined it. They matter to me, right? <laughs> still see that gif. Like, I think it's real as far as wrestling's concerned. Like, I just want to thank each and every one of y'all for all you've done to your bodies. <laughs> it's still real to me, damn it! <laughs> I, I care. I still care. Bowl games still matter to me, so we're going to take a few minutes to break a few of them down. So let's not waste any more time. Let's get into some of the notable bowl matchups of the 2022 and 2023 bowl season. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Every college football season, Goodyear knows the importance of winning on the road. The road will always demand confidence, the confidence to handle whatever the journey brings and to perform under tough conditions. And just like the players and the fans of college football, Goodyear is ready. Are you ready for the road? Visit Goodyear.com to find the right Goodyear tires for whatever road you're on this season. Goodyear, more driven. All right, just so you know, as we kind of navigate throughout the bowl season, we're going to skip a few. And we're also going to go in chronological order. So the order that we're going in is not the order of importance, okay? So if your bowl games, like the 19th game we talk about, don't take it personal. It's not a reflection on you or my interest level. It's purely based on chronological order, all right? And because the bowl season is the gift that continues to give throughout the holiday season, we start bowl season off with a bang. All right. It's not the first game of the bowl season, but it's the first top 25 matchup 
of the bowl season. It's the Duluth Trading Cure Bowl. That'll be from Orlando. You have UTSA against Troy. Now, what's interesting about this bowl game? A couple things that frustrate me. Before we kind of get into the weeds for a half second, I'm a little bit frustrated that neither one of these two teams, because I think they're both excellent, I would love to have seen both UTSA and Troy get a shot against the Power Five. Like, I'm glad that they're playing each other. I'm glad that the Cure Bowl has an awesome top 25 matchup, but I'm equally disappointed that these two teams won't have an opportunity to play against a Power Five team. All right, UTSA, they just took care of business. They just won their bowl game. What a great performance against North Texas. Now UTSA puts their 11-2 record on the line against also 11-2 Troy. UTSA's got Frank Harris. What a great football player he's become. You look on the other side trying to defend Frank Harris as Carlton Marshall. He's the NCAA's all-time leader in tackles. So you have a great offensive player in UTSA. Frank Harris. You have a great defensive player in Troy's Carlton Marshall. Look at that matchup and knowing that you have two conference champions to help kick off bowl season. That's what I'm talking about. The only thing that I would like to see in this particular matchup, I'd like to see Troy, who, by the way, I think is legit. And the fact that they never got any mention whatsoever of potentially getting a berth in the Goodyear Cotton Bowl. We know that that went to Tulane. I would like to have seen Troy be at least in the conversation, but not going to happen this year. Troy, however, can finish on a high note against the top 25 opponent. Troy, remember, 11-2, one loss against Ole Miss. That was the season opener, and they only lost by 18. It wasn't that bad, by the way. And then they lost on a Hail Mary to Appalachian State. So Troy, really good record. UTSA lost to Houston early and then lost to Texas. So two teams that are excellent. Look forward to seeing how they fare. Moving forward to Saturday, December 17th, you have a full slate. SMU and BYU, BYU probably one of the most disappointing teams of the season. Started the season in the top 25. People thought there was an outside chance of them getting to the Cotton Bowl, but just didn't happen. Way too inconsistent. It started with that performance against Oregon, and it was all kind of downhill from that point forward. So can they rebound against an SMU team that we know is going to push the ball down the field? Tanner Mordecai, the quarterback for SMU, will he play? We will find out. He's already made his intent clear. He's going to be going to the NFL. 3.30 on the 17th, you have Washington State and Fresno State. Maybe one of the most underrated quarterback matchups of the bowl season. If you love quarterback play, and in particular, you're rooting for the little guy, well, this is the game for you. Cam Ward, the quarterback of Washington State, he transferred from Incarnate Word the year before. He's now gone to Washington State, has had a great year, thrown for over 3,000 yards, 23 touchdowns, was a real, real coup to bring him to the Palouse. They didn't have a super year, but it wasn't a bad year by any stretch, 7-5, and five, but they can finish on a high note against the Mountain West champs led by Jake Hayner. Now, Jake Hayner, early in the year, went down with an injured leg, missed some time, but really in the last four or five games, he has been on a complete tear. One of the best quarterbacks in college football. I know he doesn't check the measurable boxes, but if you watch Jake Hayner, there are not many, not many in the entire country that I would take over him. I think he's a top five quarterback. I really believe that. And it's unfortunate that he hasn't been available all season long. But that quarterback matchup there in SoFi Stadium is going to be terrific. Washington State against Fresno State. Moving forward just a little bit more, 
into the 17th primetime game. Florida goes to Vegas. This is the first opportunity for an SEC team to play in Vegas against number 14, Oregon State. Florida, will Anthony Richardson play? I don't know. If not him, they have their backup quarterback that was arrested and is currently in jail. Who's going to play quarterback for the Florida Gators? That I'm not 100% sure about at this point. Oregon State, meanwhile, very few teams in college football performed better this year on a consistent basis. Remember, they lost close to USC. They lost a couple other close ones, too. They've also been without their quarterback at time, too. And remember the last time we saw them, shoot, man, this team ran the ball 19 consecutive plays against a team in Oregon that had been okay against the run. 19 consecutive plays, erasing a three-touchdown deficit. They ultimately won the game. Sure enough, now they find themselves in search of their 10th victory, and if they can get it against a team that might be depleted in Florida, that would be a significant, significant season for Jonathan Smith at his alma mater. That game is going to be terrific. Moving on just a little bit more, how about the 19th? This game we're not going to spend a lot of time on, but it's the Myrtle Beach Bowl. Only going to mention the fact that UConn is back in the postseason Congrats to the puppies of Storrs, Connecticut. Really, really cool to see that. Moving on to December 21st. Very underrated bowl game here. RNL Carriers, New Orleans Bowl. Western Kentucky, we all know what this team is. Reed, their quarterback, throws it all over the yard, threw for nearly 4,300 yards this year, had 36 touchdowns. This is an offense that is dynamic, especially through the air. Well, they're going to be going up against Kane Womack and the South Alabama Jaguars. If you look at Kane Womack and that defense, Kane Womack came from Indiana. They do an awful lot on the defensive side. He is a very thoughtful coach, and South Alabama quietly has put together a tremendous season down there in Mobile. They're 10-2, and and one of their losses came against Troy. Their other loss came at the bell against UCLA. Pretty good performance for the Jags, and they can finish their season on a high note against Western Kentucky, who has a super... Super exciting aerial attack that they're going to have to be facing off against. Moving forward to Thursday, December 22nd, Baylor goes and plays against the Air Force uh, Falcons. This team, Lockheed Martin, Armed Forces Bowl, this game might be two hours and 21 minutes because both teams are going to try to run the football, or at least you would assume they're going to try to run the football. If Air Force can go a whole game without throwing it, they will. So expect that game. If you have an opportunity to maybe place a bet on the length of game played, take the under. That thing's going to be quick. That thing's going to be flying by. A lot of other games of significance before Christmas, but we're going to move our attention to after Christmas now as we start to focus and hone in on some of the more marquee games of the college football season. Let's start with the guaranteed rate bowl. Wisconsin taking on Oklahoma State. Wisconsin and Jimmy Leonard opting to remain in Madison, getting passed over in favor of Luke Fickle. They said, hey, this is we're going to go in a different direction, but we'd love for you to stick around. Jimmy Leonard did. What does this say? about what Wisconsin means to Jimmy Leonard. It means an awful lot. This will be his final game as the interim coach as he leads his team against a team that might be one of the more puzzling teams of the college football season, Oklahoma State. I mean, I can't recall a team that had more highs and more lows and playing worse at the end of the season. I mean, Oklahoma State completely fell apart after you thought, hey, maybe this is the team out of the Big 12 that might find their way 
to the college football playoff. Well, there after about seven games, all the injuries piled up and they just couldn't sustain the effort. As a result, they fell off a cliff and they find themselves playing against Wisconsin. This is a game in which I really am going to be interested to find out, can Oklahoma State shore up some things defensively? Because we know Wisconsin isn't super dynamic offensively. We know that. But can Oklahoma State match the physicality of Wisconsin? Because if you look at Wisconsin's bowl record, they've been pretty good because you know, you know, they're after a 15-day layoff and 15 days of practices, you're going to get a bag full of knuckles when you play against the Wisconsin Badgers. So Oklahoma State better be ready to roll or else that thing could get sideways. How about this one? On paper, probably not a game that's going to do a lot for you. But as you dive a little bit deeper, UCF against Duke in the Military Bowl presented by Paraton is a very interesting matchup. UCF, we know that this offense is going to be dynamic with John Rice Plumley had about 840 yards rushing this year, 11 touchdowns to go along with it as well. You have a dynamic rushing attack against an offense that has surprised just about everybody this year. I didn't know that much about Riley Leonard coming into the year, but now I am paying close attention. Duke and Mike Elko in his first year, he was named ACC Coach of the Year and deservingly so. He has the Blue Devils back in the postseason for the first time. It feels like in quite a while they'll get a really entertaining matchup, and I think that game has a chance to be extremely high scoring. So that does an awful lot for me. Let's move forward to the Liberty Bowl. Kansas back in the bowl season against our Kansas, Arkansas. I know they're not our Kansas. Those of you that are Hog fans, I know how to pronounce Arkansas, okay? But Kansas is in your name. It's kind of (laughs) cool. So the battle of the, quote, Kansases, if you will. Arkansas, however, has had moments this year in where they've looked unbelievable. See the game against Ole Miss. Why was that performance not replicated a time or two throughout the year. You also have some games in which their defense didn't show up, like Ole Miss. How many yards did they give up in that game? A million. But there were other games, too, like the week before when you're playing against a very explosive, very capable LSU team, and you hold Jaden Daniels completely in check, and you hold him to 13 points. Arkansas has been a puzzle all season long. Some really great moments, some really forgettable moments. Hopefully they can finish on a high note for Sam Pittman to give them some momentum after what's been a very topsy-turvy performance this season. This will give them some momentum heading into the offseason. And then finally for Kansas on the other side, how about the job that Lance Leipold has done? Getting Kansas back to the postseason. All is awesome in Lawrence, Kansas. But, and I say that lovingly, but they have not finished the way that Lance Leipold and company would have liked to have finished. If you look at their record down the stretch, it has certainly left something to be desired. They have lost six of their final seven games. Look, it's not really that surprising. The schedule strengthened quite a bit down, quite a bit down the stretch, but still to finish like that, you know that they're going to want to finish on a high note consider they haven't been to the postseason in quite a while. Let's go next to the game that's going to be on Fox. This is Oregon against North Carolina. Speaking of limping to the finish, what happened to North Carolina the last three weeks? Three consecutive losses to end the regular season and to not be competitive in the ACC championship game has to be very disappointed for Drake May and company. Oregon, meanwhile, we don't need to discuss in length what they did down the stretch. They really 
didn't play good football in two of their final three games. Yes, they beat Utah in what was a remarkably great defensive performance, but to give up a big lead against against Oregon State, your rival, when they didn't even try to stretch the field offensively, you know they're probably kicking themselves with how things finished up in the rivalry game that they played against their in-state rivals. So you got to think that you're going to get one of these two teams. Neither team finished well. Neither team finished looking good. This would be a significant way to flip things because the negativity surrounding both programs right now feels pretty dang high. Don't tell me bowl games don't matter. You go and you're Dan Lanning saying you're number one. You lose this game and you lost three of your final four to finish nine and four. You think that's not going to have an impact on the momentum that you've created over the course of that eight-game win streak or whatever it was? Yeah, I would say that bowl games matter without a shadow of a doubt. One that's very exciting to me, Texas Tech and Ole Miss. I wish this game was being played in Lubbock. The same as, unfortunately, for Texas going to be played in Houston. It's the Tax Act, Texas Bowl. That game is intriguing to me. Seems like a little bit of a theme here. How about teams that have not finished great down the stretch after terrific starts? Well, Syracuse is one of those teams. Finished the season 7-5, and five, but that was because they got a win in the final game of the year. They were staring at a 6-0 and start, finishing as a 6-6 six and six team, but they took care of business against Boston College, and they needed to to finally get back to their winning ways. It was, for the most part, a pretty good year for Dino Babers, but the second half certainly left you with a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. Minnesota, on the other hand, great defense, great, great defense, but the offensive inconsistencies were a little bit a little bit troubling. They did, however, win their bowl game. They retained the ax, a lot to feel good about. And Ethan Kaliakmanis, he's now going to have 15 practices to kind of work on and hone his craft to put him in better position to be successful next year. Hopefully they can take a significant step. This one... Oklahoma against Florida State in the Cheez-It Bowl. This game will also be played on the 29th. Man, Florida State, you got to feel as though, really? I mean, I, I thought that Florida State might be within striking distance of a New Year's Six game. Who was playing better than the Seminoles down the stretch? Very few teams. Now you get a chance to play against 6-6 six and six Oklahoma. Got to be a little bit disappointing for the Seminoles. But when was the last time the Seminoles were in a situation like this? In a game? in which you play against a marquee program in a primetime setting when you can finish your season with a 10th win. They haven't been in this position in a while. It's been a minute. 10-win seasons for Florida State were a birthright for a very, very long time until they weren't. This, with a win against Oklahoma to give yourself the 10th win, would be massive. And a loss for Oklahoma Brent Venables now, especially after seeing what happened with Lincoln Riley and USC and how successful he was in his first year and Caleb Williams and all these other things, to now look at where Oklahoma's at, 6-6 six and six, with a loss 6-7, and seven, it's going to be a difficult offseason for Oklahoma if they can't finish it on a high note. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 
We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, moving on to the game that will follow the aforementioned Oklahoma-Florida State game. How about, and I'm going to give Matt Berry credit for this one. How about a little Coach Sark after dark? Formerly of the Washington Huskies, currently of the Texas Longhorns. They face off. They're in San Antonio, one of the best bowl destinations in America, San Antonio, Texas, in the Valero Alamo Bowl. Texas now with an opportunity to finish on a really high note. Obviously, there have been some great moments for Texas. There have been some forgettable moments for Texas. To finish on a high note would go a long way in creating additional momentum, potentially on the recruiting trail, and momentum into the offseason. Washington, meanwhile, this would be an opportunity for Washington, and I, I know that people were paying attention. I know that they were. They've had plenty of situations this year. For instance, when they played on the road at UCLA, they were a top 15 team. But I honestly still... Right now, as we sit here leading up to the bowl season, I'm not sure that many people are real familiar with what Washington's done this year. I don't think that many people have watched them. I wish they would have. I hope they have, but I really don't know. And I think this would be a tremendous opportunity for Kalen DeBoer to inch introduce his program to America. For those that have missed it, hey, don't mind us. We're just 10-2. and two. And we take care of business. This is an exciting offense led by Michael Penix. Assuming he plays in the bowl game, he's one of the most dynamic quarterbacks in America. Formerly of Indiana, you probably watched him there if you didn't watch him at Washington. But I'm telling you, this offense is the real deal. They push it downfield. They can really hit every nook and cranny of the field. They'll throw it anywhere. And Michael Penix can find a way to make sure his receiver can make a play on the football. This game should be high scoring. This game should be highly entertaining. And this game, assuming everybody plays, and that's a big if, will have tremendous star power. You have Penix on one side. You have Bijan Robinson on the other. If Bijan sits it out, none of us are going to blame him. But if he goes, he is must-watch television. I love the matchup. I think both offenses will provide us with some excitement. And both teams, frankly, heading into 2023, have real expectations of not just challenging in their respective conference, but winning their respective conference. Moving forward to December 30th, a bunch of intriguing games on December 30th. Let's start with one of the headliners, Notre Dame at South Carolina. Notre Dame was the most popular kid in the class leading up to this bowl season. Everybody wanted them. There were four different bowl games that were vying to try to have the opportunity to request that Notre Dame plays in their game. Just tells you the power of the brand. Notre Dame is a huge deal. Whether you want to acknowledge that or not, they are a huge deal, and they will be again here to play against a team that had the biggest impact on the playoff race, without ever actually being in the playoff race. Notre Dame will take on South Carolina in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl. I'm so excited for this matchup. One, because 
we have two of my favorite coaches in America in Marcus Freeman for Notre Dame and Shane Beamer for South Carolina. Both are kind of cut from the new school cloth while still having and appreciating some old school dynamics. Both teams want to be really physical. Both teams finished pretty dang well, especially South Carolina with them knocking off Tennessee and then ultimately knocking off Clemson. They had a tremendous finish to the season. If they win the bowl game, think of the momentum that can be sustained. And for Notre Dame, eight and five is not a good look. The expectation level at Notre Dame is always, and I mean always, double digits or bust. Well, to be eight and four, lose in the bowl game against what will be a very hungry South Carolina team, eight and five is going to be a difficult pill to swallow. For Marcus Freeman, after the loss last year in the bowl game, people forgave that. They said that was the New Year's Six first game as a coach. Well, he ended up losing the first two this year, and the boo birds and the negativity started to come out. Well, if he loses this one, there's going to be some negativity. He lost his last two games. Negativity is going to start to come out throughout the offseason. And with how they've recruited, and it feels like the positivity that surrounds the program right now, you want to continue that, and a good performance in the bowl game would go an awful long way in doing that. Let's go to the nightcap. Somebody that you like and are listening to right now might be a part of this game. I cannot confirm. I cannot deny. But the Orange Bowl is appropriately named this year because you have two teams that don the color orange. The Tennessee Volunteers taking on the Clemson Tigers. This game has a ton of intrigue for me, and we're going to break it down extensively here in the days and weeks to come. But it has a ton of intrigue for a few different reasons. One, Tennessee has dynamic playmakers that can stretch the field. And in their bowl game last year, remember they played against Purdue, I believe it was the Music City Bowl, they made it into a track meet. That's what Tennessee wants to do. They want to create vertical stretch. They want to run tempo, and they want to take advantage of a defense that probably hasn't been on the field in the last 15 days, 16, 17, 18 days. That's going to be the Clemson Tigers. Clemson's really good defensively. We've seen that throughout the course of the season. Clemson's defense, however, will be stretched horizontally. They will be stretched vertically. But I do think you can make a pretty strong case that this was one of, if not the best pass rush that Tennessee's seen. They're certainly in the mix. They're going to make life difficult for the backup quarterback, Joe Milton. If Joe Milton can have time to survey the field, he has had a tendency in the past to miss some balls downfield, some long foul balls, if you will. But hopefully after an extended period of bowl practice, he'll be a little bit more dialed in on the downfield throws. But while Tennessee is very, very exciting, I think the guy I'm most excited to see in this game is Cade Klubnick. Finally getting his opportunity, replaced DJ Uyungle in the first quarter of the ACC championship game and went on to complete 83% of his passes in a 20 of 24 showing and leading them to what was a dominant victory. He made throws down the field that I hadn't seen DJ Uyungle make at any point this season. I think with a whole load of reps that he's going to get in the next three weeks, he's going to be a different dude when he takes the field in his first career start. To do so against a top six Tennessee team, awesome. Awesome game. Going to be some buzz. 
going to be some excitement. Normally for Clemson, you'd say, well, they missed the playoff. They're not going to be super fired up to play in a New Year's Six Bowl game. Not the case this year. I think there's a lot to learn about what Clemson might be next year if you evaluate the quarterback and some of the young players that are likely to be contributing in the game. Let's move to Saturday. This is semifinal Saturday. This is the 31st. Like I said, we're going to talk about these games. We're not going to talk about the semifinal games. We've done that enough, and we will do it more here in the future. But leading off the the day there on semifinal Saturday, Alabama against Kansas State. You know what you're getting from Kansas State. You're going to get Deuce Vaughn. You're going to get Will Howard. Hopefully you get Malik Knowles. Hopefully you're going to get a balanced passing attack because this team is going to bow up on both sides of the football. You know that they're going to play their hardest. Effort level will not be in question when it comes to Chris Klein and Coach Team. Alabama, conversely, people have probably already looked at how Alabama, well, they haven't played well in the Sugar Bowl in the past after experiencing disappointment. People are going to reference the 2008 game against Utah. People are going to reference the 2014 game, or the 2013 game, excuse me, January of 14, I suppose, against Oklahoma when Trevor Knight went off, I might add. So those are going to be the games that people reference, but what people won't reference is 2019 when Alabama missed the playoff and they went to the Citrus Bowl to play against Michigan and had a tremendous performance. Only one guy that day opted out of that bowl game. So I would expect Alabama to have all hands on deck, and I expect Alabama to play insanely hard in the game. That's what they've done in the past. I happen to think, even though it's a different era, yeah, four years ago is a different era, I still think you're going to get a good effort from Alabama, and you know you're going to get a great effort from Deuce Vaughn and from Kansas State, both offensively and defensively. All right, we're going to hit the semifinals at some point here in the very near future. Don't worry, plenty of time to break down the playoff matchups, but let's move quickly to January 2nd. A couple interesting games in this game and this day of games, in this triple header, quadruple header, however you want to frame it. Tulane at USC. Tulane, man, how they run the football. Ty J Spears, how they run the football against a USC team that might be without Caleb Williams a lot on the line in this particular game for Tulane. Now, SC, people still, regardless of the outcome of this game, they're still going to say, well, SC is going to be great next year. SC's got weapons. Lincoln Riley's got it going in the right direction. While all that may be true, I think you're going to get a Tulane team that is not going to go quietly into the night. And USC, if they are less than 100%, they better be prepared for a war. Tulane's going to try to make it that way. They want to run the football. Tulane's got some holes on defense, and I think SC can exploit some of those holes. But ultimately, can USC get off the field? They weren't able to do so against Utah. There were times this year that they weren't able to do it against other teams as well. They've been fortuitous all season long and forcing turnovers. But will that continue against Michael Pratt, who's smart at quarterback and understands his role within the offense, and a rushing attack that features one of the best, most dynamic backs in college football, Ty J. Spears, almost 1,400 yards rushing and 15 touchdowns this season. LSU and Purdue, really interesting game to me. I know people are going to say, really, why? Well, Aiden O'Connell, last game as a Purdue Boilermaker. Charlie Jones, last game potentially as a Purdue Boilermaker. Those two guys combined for 110 catches and 1,300 yards through the air. Aiden O'Connell, of course, threw him. Charlie Jones caught him. LSU has long considered themselves to be DBU. 
well, how do you do against the, one of the best quarterback wide receiver combos in the country? And I love the coaching matchup here. You have an incredible coach, universally respected Brian Kelly, after what he's done in year one in Baton Rouge against Jeff Brom. Jeff Brom does a phenomenal job. He goes into every game, and they usually, not all the time, but some of the time, have a pretty significant talent disadvantage. Well, he gets the most out of his guys by using trick plays, by using screen game. He's going to have a really creative plan to try to take advantage of the athleticism and the aggressiveness that LSU likes to employ. I think it's going to be a really cool game of cat and mouse, and if you're a sucker for XO, this might be your game. <laughs> you're going to really enjoy the coaching acumen that's on display really good coaches on both sides, really smart and thoughtful game plans on both sides. And I think the effort from both teams, because LSU doesn't want to finish on a three-game losing streak in what was a really good season. They really didn't play great since the Alabama game. So do they really want to finish that way after what's been a breakthrough season for them? No. Purdue, meanwhile, they already overachieved, but you know Purdue's going to give you great effort when they take the field. And then we'll finish it here with the granddaddy of them all. You know Utah is coming to play. You know Cam Rising is coming to play. And you also look, too, at where Utah has at times struggled, well, against really high-quality rushing attacks, they've given up some chunk yardage. Well, we know that Penn State has a high-quality rushing attack featuring not one, but two dynamic game-breaking running backs. Both Katron Allen and Singleton are going to get opportunities in space. Probably not going to run it right down their throat because that's not Utah is going to allow. But if you live on the edges and you live on the perimeter, if those guys get into the open field, they can take it the distance. I've been very impressed with how Utah has played down the stretch. But there have also been moments where this offense has gone a little bit to sleep. They didn't last year in this setting, and I don't think they will in this game as well. Penn State has quietly put together a tremendous season. Yes, they're sitting there at 10-2, and two, but their two losses come against playoff teams, man. They have had a great year for James Franklin. But I really wonder in this game, are they balanced enough? Are they explosive enough to keep up with what should be a really inspired Utah bunch? I always like Utah in, play, in bowl games. You know you're going to get great effort. You know you're going to get great performance. And I know when Cam Rising takes the field in the Rose Bowl, he's going to do so with a chip on his shoulder because of how things went last year. Remember, he couldn't finish that game last year. He got hurt. Ultimately, Utah came up a little bit short, and Ohio State put together a comeback for the ages. Cam Rising now has unfinished business heading to the granddaddy of them all. Can Penn State disrupt the rhythm of that offense? Can they limit Dalton Kincaid, the exceptional tight end, one of the best in America? Those are the questions that I can't wait to find out when it comes to the Rose Bowl. All right, that'll do it for today. I told you we're going to rip through the bowl games. Rapid fire, baby. Though, Look, we're going to break these games down more extensively here over the next several days and weeks. All right, don't worry. We know, we know that we excluded the playoff games. If you didn't get enough playoff breakdown on Sunday on ESPN, that's on you. It was available to you. And I can assure you, as someone that's sitting in the studio, I logged some hours in this seat over the last few days. All right, so there has been plenty of opportunity to break down playoff matchups. We're going to do it here too. 
just not today. I wanted to take a day to focus on some of the bowl games that are maybe just the tiniest bit under the radar, but still very important for some of the teams to try to put a bow on what's been either a great season, to try to turn what's been a disappointing season, and to create a little positivity and momentum heading into the 2023 offseason. So we have a lot still to get to. We have a lot that we'll get to tomorrow, talking about the transfer portal, talking a little semifinals, talking a little bit about where we're at on the coaching carousel. So a lot still to come here on Always College Football, here in what should be a very newsworthy week here on the show. For all of us here at Always College Football, please like, rate, and subscribe. It helps us out. It helps the show out. We have so enjoyed bringing you content every day of the college football season. But guess what? The college football season's not over. We still have a lot more to do. Still a lot more things to cover as well. For all of us here at Always College Football, for Jack Foster and Mark Kubiak, I'm Greg McElroy. I hope you have a wonderful day and check back in tomorrow with us here at Always College Football. Hey guys, it's Greg McElroy. Thanks for watching Always College Football. Make sure you like, rate, and subscribe to ESPN's YouTube channel and wherever you listen to your podcasts.